Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. I'm joined by Jason Staples. And for the first part of the show, we got Mike Ingersoll with us. You're listening to the Inside Carolina podcast, sponsored by JohnnyTShirt.com. This gentleman is the Game Plan Podcast. And Mike, since I have you, um, I'm going to make a, a story and say you're on the road traveling um, somewhere in a, out in the West, in, you know, in another country maybe doing work, um, solid legal work. I wanted to get your take on Carolina's offensive line A, your thoughts on how they'll fare against Clemson, and then B, the Charlie Heck, why can't he play with a club question. But just give me <laughs> – Give me overall your thoughts on this offensive line with this inexperience going against uh, the Clemson Tigers. Yeah, I mean, they're, we had similar problems last week as to, you know, against App that we had against Wake Forest, and that's just you hit the nail on the head with inexperience. Losing a senior center I always thought was going to be substantially more impactful than losing Patrice Renee out of corner just because of all the shuffling that has to take place on the offensive line in order to make up for that one lost body. And considering we're now down Charlie Heck um, and we're, we're, we're playing all essentially freshmen, sophomores on, on the line, it's going to be a, it's going to be tough sledding against Clemson. Um, they have an extremely talented defensive line. It's another one of those reloaded D lines. Most of those guys are all going to get drafted. Um, they will likely all be on NFL rosters within the next couple of years. Um, it's gonna it's 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 gonna be a long afternoon if we can't shore up the inside three, which is what I've been mentioning since the beginning of the season. We didn't necessarily have that issue um, when Polina was at center, and I felt much more confident in our ability to protect the quarterback at that point than I do now. That being said, I haven't lost faith. Uh, you know, these this is the kind of thing that's cured with experience, and these guys are gonna get baptism by fire a little bit this weekend against Clemson. But, I mean, I would also expect to see the game plan help them out, um, so help out that deficiency we have on the inside a little bit. Probably a lot of quick passes, screens, that sort of thing, getting the ball out of Howell's hands so he doesn't have to hold it, um, assuming we're on schedule down and distance-wise. If we start getting into second and long and third and long, you know, then you're going to see really what these kids are made of. And Obviously, they're going to be better this week than they were against App. They were better against App than they were against Wake. But, um, you know, this is a different kind of opponent coming in. This isn't a fun belt. Appalachian State, this is the number one team in the country that's, by all accounts, going to at least play for the national championship again. Um, I don't know if they'll win it, but this is going to be a real test for them. So, I, again, it's, it's going to go, as I've said every week, it's going to go how the inside three go. And as of right now, that inside three needs some work. But, you know, the, that, that will come with experience. Mike, talk to me about the heck factor. And, Jason, I want your opinion on this after Mike, but – you know, people on the message boards, and we like to you know, pull questions off the message boards. Talk to me about the pros and also the cons of, say, a guy like Charlie Heck. If he were to try to play left tackle um, against anybody, but against Clemson with uh, basically one hand um, or with a club on where he couldn't grab anybody. Talk, talk about how important being able to hold he is, especially for the tackles, a left tackle in particular. Yeah, so it's it's his right hand that's injured, as I understand it. And for a left tackle that's 
that I mean, there's there's not a lot of pros there, period. Um, and here's why. So your inside hand is your power hand. That's your uh, some people call it your post hand. Um, that's that's the hand that you generate all your punch with. Um, it, the really good tackles, if you ever pay attention, um, have a tendency to you'll, you'll see the punch come from the inside hand, generate the power. And then the outside hand will guide, um, but a lot of really good tackles. If, you, if, if you're watching, can actually block guys with just that inside hand. Um, if they get a good punch and they're inside the breastplate, a lot of times you can just control that that guy with that one hand. Your outside hand is just gravy. If it was his outside hand that was injured, I'd say you might be able to make a go of it. It would be a long afternoon, but he could probably make a go of it. Um, but the fact that it's his inside power hand, I, I don't I don't see a whole lot of pros. I mean, he has to be able to put his he has to be able to grip jersey. He has to be able to grip pads. Um, otherwise, he's not going to be able to block anybody. He's not going to be able to pass off twists. He's not going to be able to control a bull rush. He's not going to be able to control a spin move. He's, he's not going to be able to control a lot of things. And certainly in the run, he's not going to – if he can't grab shoulder pads or grab a breast breastplate or jersey, he's not going to be able to actually move anybody. You know, this isn't this isn't the junction, boys. We're not blocking with our forearms and elbows anymore. Um, it's, it's, it's hat and hands and it's grabbing. and um, it's, a very, it's a very physical game from the torso up um, on the offensive and defensive line. So without having the use of his inside power hand, it's going to, it would drastically affect uh, his ability to pass protect and it would affect his ability to run block to the tune of not being able to do it. Um, so he's, he's not in a position where he could play uh, any suggestions to the contrary or a little ridiculous, to be honest. You sure, you sure Mike's Mike's uh, out West and not in space. <laughs> Go ahead, go. go ahead, Jason. Give me, give me, <laughs> give me your wide receiver defensive back take on this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm just ripping your, uh, your, your the, the sound quality here. No, the big thing for me is if, I, if he played, Clemson would just line up Xavier Thomas over top of him, and um, Xavier Thomas would ensure that Sam Howell did not finish the year healthy. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's no, no way. If you so, can't hold, you can't play offensive line. Yeah, that's yes, it's a very it's a very accurate, succinct way of putting it. <laughs> so, Mike, a couple more questions for you for uh, uh, you know you get on back on the road. <laughs> the uh, at what point do freshmen gain experience, valuable experience versus? Um, some negative experience if you understand the question i'm asking i mean they, these guys are... yeah when is it constructed ver- when is it constructive versus counterproductive uh, right. i understand um you know if you're playing against a guy and i don't know if this is gonna be the case right i mean it clemson's clemson's defensive line is good um i don't know that one of them could could successfully put his hand in the ground and play in the nfl today um you know a year or two from now probably but, you know, and that's, and that's just – that goes to the – you know, people think that, you know, Alabama could have beaten the old you know, Cleveland Browns of a couple of years ago. That's that's absolutely ridiculous, right? <laughs> the college players are not – college players are not equipped to, to play NFL football until they're in the NFL. There's an entirely different um, – <laughs> uh, there's an entirely different baptism that, that, that takes place there that you're just not equipped to handle as a college kid. So – you know, Clemson's players are good. Um, I, you know, I don't know without lining up against them. I can't tell you how good they are in person. If they're so good that it's just a butt whipping the entire day, 
then it's counterproductive, right? You're, you're, you're learning that you could be on the field with these guys, but you're not actually going to have enough success to learn from. You have to have the type of opponent across from you that even if they're better than you, right, if you have a long day and you're getting your butt whipped all day long, you have to have the kind of opponent that if you do everything right, you follow your technique properly, that you will have success. Um, what that teaches you is that if I use my technique and I engage it properly, I will have success, right? That is a, that is, that is, that is a muscle memory confidence thing that you only learn from being successful from implementing your training. If you try to implement your training and you do all, everything right and they are just a bigger, faster, stronger human being than you are and you lose on a human level, well, you're not learning much from that, right? Because you haven't seen the implementation of your training succeed. Um, and from that, it's, it's difficult to learn. It's just it's a game full of failure with no silver linings. Um, you know, you, you learn when you fail and then in the same breath you succeed somewhere else in some other facet of the game that's that's how you learn as a young player so if it's a you know if it, if it looks like a if it looks like Clemson going against the JV team out there you know this weekend it's not it's not gonna be productive for our for, for our young linemen but if you see situations where and, and you will and I said that's the entirely that's the worst case scenario completely pessimistic approach what you will see this weekend is you'll see plays get executed well you'll see things happen um, according to script and according to plan, you'll see technique work on guys. And, and, our, and a, from an individual player standpoint, you'll see, um, and most importantly, the players will see themselves implement their technique and implement their training the way that it's designed to be implemented. And they'll be successful with it in certain situations. And they will take something out of that. So, you know, it, it's it, it's not productive to have your senior varsity high school team beating up on the freshman JV team, right, in practice. Your your senior varsity players aren't getting anything out of that at the high school level. Same is true in college, right? You're not getting anything out of getting wins if you're on the other side of that all game long, which you're, you know, what it's ingrained in you, in you is that you're not good enough. And the truth is that these, the guys we have starting are good enough, right? They're the players we have that can start because there are people behind them who aren't who just aren't ready yet. And there are guys at other schools that weren't good enough to come to this school. Uh, so the fact is these guys that are starting can be Division One starters by virtue of the fact that they are Division One starters. Um, if you get if you get beat like a dog for an entire game, yeah, that perspective is lost on you a lot of the time, especially as a young man. So uh, I, I don't think you're going to see that. I think you're going to see our – our offensive linemen, especially the interior three, are going to are going to show flashes of success and show flashes of capability. And if they can string together entire drives of that, or at least the majority of drives on that, and turn it into points, um, if they see the fruits of their labor result in success in the form of scoring touchdowns and not just field goals, and keeping it close against Clemson, at that point they will learn something. And I think this, I think that will happen this weekend. Um, I don't predict a win by any stretch of the imagination, but crazier things have happened. You know, lo and behold, we come out of Saturday three and two instead of two and three. I think, I think our guys will learn a lot from that. So perfect segue. Before I let you go, give me a prediction on Saturday. Score prediction. Uh, score prediction. I mean, I, uh, I reevaluated my position from our pre from our preseason uh, our preseason polling after we went two and zero, oh, and I've been wrong twice. So. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and stick with my original prediction. This is probably going to be a – I mean, I'll give us I'll give us 49 to 17. 
49 to 21, somewhere in that range. Um, but it's not. I don't. I don't. I don't see Carolina coming out with a win, and I. I hope I'm. I hope I'm very wrong about that. Good deal, Mike. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you get down to Chapel Hill again. We get. We got to do this in the bowls lot live one time before a football game, but maybe that'll work some point we later. We will. I'll, I'll. I'll be up there this season. Don't worry about it. All right, man. Appreciate it. Take care. Yeah, man. Jason, Mike Ingersoll, he thought you were going to bring the uh, wide receiver DB argument at him on the offensive <laughs> line. I thought that was pretty funny set up. Yeah, uh, well, the one thing we receivers know is that uh, blocking, you know, blocking ain't easy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, those guys earn their money inside. So, uh, you know, that he, he knows what he's talking about there. And, um <laughs> Yeah, I, I just I, I would not want to try to block on the edge as a receiver with a with a broken hand with you know a club on the hand because you ha- you have to be able to grab and pull and do all that stuff as you know within the rules and if you can't do that you can't block and I I I, I was gonna jump in and 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 tee it up for him and say yeah but that Bama team a couple years ago they had like forty five guys from that went to the NFL. Because he and I've laughed about this before, because we just <laughs> we hear that all the time. Like, yeah, but look at—I mean, they got like ten first-round draft picks on that team and forty NFL players. It's like you know how many NFL players are on the Cleveland Browns? Yeah, all exactly. of them. Well, that's what <laughs> I, I went to. Uh, I went to see Pittsburgh and the Chiefs preseason game, and me and my son were down low. Um, shout out to Michael Switzer for great picture he took of us down there but we're down there at the uh edge right there on the edge and all of the chiefs guys come out to start loosening up and my god man i mean i've been around plenty of college teams it's not even close i mean it's like well everybody is massive that 2001 miami team the 2013 florida state team probably that that Alabama team that that Mike was mentioning and last year's Clemson team if you looked at them on the hoof if you looked at say their first 40 players on the hoof they look like an NFL team they they it's a, it's a, it's as impressive physically but as soon as you put them on the same field with an NFL team they'd get their butts handed to them because it's just a different game yeah, i mean grown grown, you, grown man yeah you're talking about yeah you know an NFL guy who's in his eighth year is not as fast as he was. They're not, but the difference is they're no longer training for the combine. Yeah. You're a step slower when you're not in pads and you know, all of that, but you're two steps faster mentally or three steps faster. You take no false steps. You do none of that. And you know, the techniques and, and the uh, just the, what he talked about, what Mike was talking about with the muscle memory, and also NFL teams are they're practicing like they're they're working on stuff year round. That's their job. And so when you're talking about like an NFL offensive line, the worst NFL offensive line would be by far orders of magnitude better than the best offensive line in college football because they're they those guys are doing this stuff day after day after day to where everything's just automatic and it's just so different. And you know, when when I was in college NFL guys would come back and, and they would work with us. And yeah, our guys could not, not, not so much me. I was, I was not very good, but our guys could compete with them physically. Like they were just as fast or whatever, 
but those NFL guys kicked our tails. And, I, you know, I went against some of those guys, too, and we got our butts handed to us. You know, we might win a rep once in a while, one, one of the college guys would, but we got our butts handed to us play after play by guys that were, you know, eighth year in the NFL because they just – they know how to play. It's just different. Yep, different indeed. We'll take a break and talk about Johnny T-shirt. Oh, there's Greg Barnes has joined us. We're going to get to our regularly scheduled program right here after I talk about Johnny T-shirt and johnnytshirt.com. Of course, great sponsors of this podcast. They're on Franklin Street. Perfect for when you're in town for the Clemson game. You can get the return of the Mac shirt. You can get anything you need. Of course, basketball, late night with Roy's Friday night. Practice started, I believe, Thursday. All the basketball gear you need, all the football gear you need, all the anything Carolina you need, johnnytshirt.com and Johnny T-shirt on Franklin Street. And, of course, Inside Carolina premium subscribers get 10% off of every order, either in-store or online. Uh, you never know. You might need some gear to get down and tailgate in the Bowls lot. Come see Greg, Jason, and I on Saturday about 1.30. If you're there, we'll be doing this show live in the Bowls lot Get your Johnny T-shirt swag there and get your Johnny T-shirt swag on Franklin Street and come see us. All right. Greg Barnes has joined us, Greg. Uh, we were talking to Mike Ingersoll. EJ and Mike's podcast this week did not happen, and Jason and I gave Mike a hard time because, no, he was not in space and he was not out west. <laughs> he was on his cell phone uh, because he had a little technical difficulties getting ready for this podcast. <laughs> Um, these young guys in technology, man, I just don't know about it, but Greg, I want to get you in here and then let's start talking about, um, this Carolina Clemson game coming up. Mike was on to talk about the status of Carolina's offensive line and what they can expect and what, um, they can gain or lose from Carolina versus Clemson. I want to get your take overall, the mood of this team. They've come into this game. Um, Mac, I believe, said they had a great week of practice. My question is, you know, is this a Carolina team that is capable of stringing together enough positives to take a net positive out of this Clemson game, whether it's on the scoreboard or not? Yeah, I think so. And I, I, I really, I really kind of look at these next two weeks as kind of a, a collective because. Uh, as Max said earlier this week, it, yes, they had a great re- week of practice because everybody has a great week of practice when you're preparing for the defending national champion. It's just like you know, when Wake and App and State and Duke prepare for North Carolina, they're going to give it a little bit extra uh, because that's a, a big game. And same, same here. Anytime you have the number one team in the country coming in, it's easy to get up for that. But next week, they go to Atlanta to face a Georgia Tech team that's really not any good, that's in a transition period. That place you know, never got packed under Paul Johnson. And so you know, Max really kind of contrasting that. All right, for us to get to the program we want to be, which is kind of like what Clemson is, we have to prepare the same way this week as we do next week. Uh, and so I really think you know, this game, clearly we're, we're talking about it, we're going to talk about it. Uh, but in terms of program building, this, I think this is the key stretch here because maybe after this first two wing, weeks and wins, you kind of saw the team dip just enough for you know, Wake and App State to beat them. 
But now you have this great opportunity against Clemson, and you're you're excited and, and you want to give it a shot, even though you as as Mac bluntly said on Wednesday, if Clemson plays great, you're not winning this game. They have to make mistakes. They have to have turnovers for you to have a chance to win this game. Um, but how do you respond to it, and how do you get back up next week? And so I, I, I think that full component is kind of a, a, an interesting dynamic, and that, that's really what the coaching staff is preaching. Uh, but what, what can they do this week? I mean, it's just a matter of consistency, uh, trying to come out starting better, uh, putting all that together. And that's what they're teaching. You know, as Max said, it doesn't matter if we get beat 50 to zip by Clemson. As long as we come out, we play with effort every single play, we're trying to show improvement. We're making steps. He said, you know, the fans will appreciate that. The fans will understand that we played hard and that we're doing our best to be able to compete at this level. Um, and I know a lot of people hear that and say, oh, it doesn't sound like Max giving the guys any chance at all. That's not the case. Max, he wants to win every single game. The players want to win every single game. Uh, but you have to be realistic about it. And you have to understand that if you go in thinking, yeah, you know what, we're going to upset them and then you get beat bad, you can't allow that to kill your confidence. Um, so you have to prepare them for how tough of a challenge it is and say, look, if you do all of these things right, you have no margin of error. You have to do every single one of these things right and make them make some mistakes. Then we can talk about this upset. Then we can talk about having a legitimate chance of winning this game. But if we can't do those things on our end, forget about it. I, I couldn't agree more in, in terms of how you have to approach that. And I think one of the most important aspects of that is that as a coach, if you go in and you, you, you try to pump your guys up and really get them convinced that we're going to, we're going to play with them. We're going to, we're going to go in there. We're going to beat this team. You know, don't, don't sell yourselves short and all that. And then you go in and you get hammered. That does that, that damages your credibility as a coach. When you're when when you're telling your guys like, look, they're better than us. You all know they're better than us. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to say we can't win this game because if we play our clean game and we force a couple turnovers, listen, that's why we're playing it. But let's be honest, we're going to have to go out there and execute and do everything. If you guys go out and do what we coach you to do, we'll be in the ball game. We'll be able to play with them, but we're going to have to play really well and they'll probably have to give us some, but you know, you guys know that if you go out, if they, and then if, when they go out there and they do have a little bit of success and they do manage to get a couple things that builds confidence. And then, you know, if they do get hammered in the process, they at least are coming back and they're going, yeah, coach, coach knew, but you know what? We're building, we're still getting better. That's really different from we're going to go out. We're going to shock the world guys. I don't, you know, th th they don't know. They, and then you go out and you lose 59 to, to, you know, 20 or 59 to 14. And all of a sudden they're looking at you coach and they're going, Hmm, man, coach really likes to, likes to, likes to, you know, break out, get us all hyped up and everything, but we ain't as good as he says we are. And that that's damaging. And I think Mac and his staff, they're building not to get guys hyped up for one upset, they're trying to build this program to where it wouldn't be an upset if they won this game. And that starts with getting the credibility of your team or getting credibility in front of your team, gaining trust 
so that they know that you're telling them the truth and that when you're asking them to do things, that that's the right thing to do. And part of that is being honest when you're playing against a better team. That this is a money discussion right here, I believe, um, you know, because like you said, Jason, the kids have to trust the coaches and, how many times have we seen teams go out and say, we're going to beat them, man. We got it. We got it. It's it's okay for the players to say that and the players to tweet that. And I don't want people to think we're doing this podcast thinking, you know, Carolina's going to get the kicked out of them. And, you know, there's really no point in this show because that's all, um, you know, it's a given. The point is that it's a program building type game, regardless of the outcome, as long as, Carolina does certain things. And Jason, one point that we talked about before we got on is you said you can't have this game beat you more than once. And I think that is huge. And it parlays with what Greg just talked about getting ready for Georgia Tech after the fact. Speak to how that can happen um, if Mac Brown doesn't take the approach he's been taking. Just build on that further uh, because – Confidence is everything for this team. Confidence and staying healthy is all of it. Um, the staying healthy part is not really going according to plan, but confidence can still be had in a loss. How does that happen on Saturday? Well, I think the first thing, the second thing you mentioned is really the first thing, is finding a way to to get out of this game intact. I mean, you you don't want to put yourself in a situation where, say, Clemson gets a bunch of free shots on Sam Howell and suddenly his ability to finish the season healthy is endangered. You know, you'd rather, you'd rather play a walk-on in this game. I mean, it, it really is one of those things where it would be better for them to play a walk to, to play a walk-on in this game and lose by a bunch than to lose this game close and have Sam Howell out for the rest of the year. Because you, you just can't afford, there are certain guys you can't afford to lose. And right now, they're betting big on him as the future and he's played awfully well and he continues to grow. Number one is make sure, and this is, this has got to be hammered home to the offensive line all week. We can't afford to make the kind of mistakes that we made a couple times against app state against wake forest. We got to make sure that we're handling our business and, we, and that the quarterback's not getting hit. That's, that's what I'm preaching is number one. We've got to make sure that we protect our, our franchise guy. Number two, it again comes down to that trust relationship with the coaches and making sure that, once again, that the best thing that can happen here, and and this gets to something that Mike said earlier as well, is that you've got some things that you've prepared that you say, look, if we do this right, we're going to get them. If we execute this right, you guys are going to see. Those plays are there. We We can beat them on this. And then you're able to hit a big play or you're able to get a little bit of success in a couple spots. And then players, again, they start looking and they go, man, like, yeah, they told us he'd do that. And that's exactly what he did. And even if they don't make the play, like, let's say defensively, they say, look, when they line up like this and, you know, they, they show this on third and six, expect this, they're going to do this. And even if it works against them, when the, when the defense then goes back in in film session the next week, they're going, man. Coach Bateman told us, like, we knew that was coming. We just got it. We got to trust it. Those are the things that, again, can build into it. But what you don't want to happen in this game 
is to go out there and then, you know, have Howell get hurt, knock on wood that that doesn't happen. I don't, you know, obviously we don't want any injuries in this game, um, you know, on either side. But the other thing is, is just getting losing confidence and losing trust in the coaching staff. And I think this coaching staff has built up enough trust and goodwill with the players that that's not going to happen. And the way that they're handling this, that's not likely to happen. But again, you want to come out of this game having fought, having clawed, having proven to yourself that, you know, we're only a few plays away. Yeah, they may have beaten us by 21 or 31 or whatever, but we can highlight like six different plays and they may be six different plays. You know, you can choose one of 20 plays, but, you know, you change, say, six plays and we're, we win this game. That's when you can start to build as guys start to trust that. And again, you're, you're coming out of the game with some confidence as opposed to crushed that, okay, you know, we, we thought things were turning the corner, but now all of a sudden, you know, this is, here we go again. That's what you have to avoid. Tommy, we've talked a lot dating back to spring ball uh, about the depth issues that this team has. And it's a significant problem. And I think this is a good week to kind of explain it. Sometimes I think people hear us talk about, well, you want to get out of this game without significant injuries. Uh, And people may take that kind of the the wrong way. Uh, But Clemson, because they have recruited and they have developed players and they've got a process in place and they're a decade in or whatever to Dabo's program building, they've got bodies, they've got talented bodies, and they have experienced bodies all across the board. Um, How's this for an example? Niles Pinckney, starting defensive tackle for Clemson, played four games this year. He has played 95 snaps. Aaron Crawford, starting defensive tackle for North Carolina, played all four games, so they played the same number of games. Crawford has 224 snaps to his credit, more than double of Pinckney. So which guy's fresher at this point in the season? I mean, do we even even have that debate? Um, That speaks to the significance of the gap because Clemson can rotate guys in, keep their best players fresh. North Carolina does not have that luxury. And as Mac has said already this year, when you're having to lean on your main guys as much as North Carolina is having to, they get tired. A lot of times that's when injuries occur. Um, If you look at what Clemson has done in terms of of playing people this year, I was looking at the numbers earlier. Against Charlotte last week, this is just offense and defense. This is not special teams. Clemson played 90 players against Charlotte. They played 65 against Syracuse. When they played Texas A&M, which is a legitimate team, you know, legit top 25 team, Clemson was able to only play 45 because they could really say, you know what, this is an important game. We're just going to go with our key guys. We're going to go with like you know, you know, a true two deep because this is, this is big. We need to win this game. And so they pared it down. But in these other games, they're playing you know, three deep, basically. North Carolina against Wake Forest played 37 on offense and defense. The most they played all year long was in the season opener against South Carolina, and they played 43. So they don't have the bodies. I mean, it, and it, we, can't, we can't emphasize it enough that this is a problem for North Carolina. It will continue to be a problem. 
but you got to be careful, especially in this kind of game, because Clemson's going to have a bunch of fresh guys out there and guys that are more talented than you. Uh, so you've got to protect them as best you can. Jason, two things. One, if if their frontline defensive line guys are only playing that many snaps, that means their second and third guys are getting that experience. So when they take over as the frontline guys, they're loaded with experience and they just reload. But also, isn't and Mac Brown mentioned this, and I wanted your take on it. Isn't it a good thing for Carolina players specifically to see what elite is up front, up in person, up close? Because I don't think you understand it. It's kind of like the same thing we're talking about NFL versus college mess. I don't think kids tend not to understand just how much um, what elite means, especially on the college level. Everybody thinks they can play with anybody, and maybe you can, but you're going to see an elite program, an elite um, everything to see exactly where Carolina's heading or wanting to go. They're going to see what it means when Mac Brown says that's where he wants to get there, and they're going to see it up close in person on Saturday. Yeah, I think that's really important. It's it's extremely beneficial as long as nobody gets hurt and as long as you, again, are able to to get the mindset right in the process. One of the things that I think will that, – that, that playing against an elite – not just elite talent, but playing against an elite program does is you get to see up close and personal how much attention to detail, focus, and intensity those guys play with. And, and that, that's something that I think a lot of times people focus on the talent and the talent matters a lot, obviously, but there, in terms of overall talent, a couple of the guys on North Carolina's offensive line, for example, were as highly touted as recruits, as highly rated coming out of high school as the guys they are going to be across, across from on Clemson's defensive line. but. When you have, say, fourth and fifth year players, even third year to some degree players in a in a program that ha- that has things culturally the way that, that Clemson is, the real difference is the level of play. Again, it gets back to in the NFL, a guy might have run a four five when he got to the pros, and now he's a four seven five or a four eight as a sixth year pro, but he's way better because he plays w- with that much more of an edge much higher focus, attention to detail, the the level of intensity is different. And when you get into that environment as a as a as a rookie, you learn real quick this is a man's game now. And this and at the better programs in college, you have that same kind of thing, even though it again it again is lower lower than the NFL. But I remember when I when I first got to Florida State uh back in 2000, I got there in the summer and one of the first things you know that I, I I did I got to participate in the uh, the summer workouts and uh, summer seven on seven stuff that you do in the evenings. Uh, every team does it, and I went out there. You know, you're doing one on ones with the defensive backs. You're le- you're learning the preliminaries of the pass offense, and you're getting the chance to to get integrated a little bit into all of this as a freshman. And I remember talking to my dad on the phone coming back. Or after you know, after about the first week, you know, this was prior to when you know you'd talk to your parents every every day or something like that because you had you know free long distance with cell phones and all that. I remember talking to my dad at the end of the first week, 
and going uh, uh, first week of experience with this. And he asked me, ah, you know, so how's it going? And I, I, I talked to him. I said, you know, going pretty well, but man, you know, I thought, I always thought I played really hard and thought I was, I played with intensity, but man, I get, I got down here and these guys, like, it's just different. Like, I'm telling you, like, if you told one of these guys, I'm going to pull a gun out and shoot you in the head, or you have to lose the next rep, they'd say, shoot me. And, you know, they would rather die. They'd rather die than lose the next rep in seven on seven or in one on one in the middle of the summer. The level of intensity. Uh, in, in 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 dynasty era Florida State football, I, I'd never experienced anything like that. I mean, it was eye opening. And then you have to match that. You have to learn to raise your level of play. And I remember then, as a sophomore, the summer came. One, the nation's number one corner, number one rated corner, came in as a as a freshman. I'm a sophomore walk on, not very good, and I abused him. His first day out his first week out had I was able to do whatever I wanted with him as a route runner just beat him up and down the field and I'm thinking wow <laughs> you know it's like what a difference a year makes now he caught up <laughs> <laughs> and, and he was he was a better player than me by a lot but it's just different and so that's the thing that I think Mac more than anything is going to want his team to learn and he's going to be telling them during the week, guys, when you get out there, pay attention to how how intense they are, to how hard they play every play, to how much they focus on executing their job. Because that's where we've got to get. That's what we've got to do. Because you'll you'll realize when you get out there, a lot of these guys, you guys are good, uh, just as good as athletes. I mean, you look at a Deami Brown; he's a really good athlete. Now, is he quite as good as Clemson's receivers? No. But you look at, you know, physically, you guys should be able to handle a lot of a lot of what they're they're throwing at you. But we're not there as a program yet. And you guys have to pay attention to that. And that's something that, again, that's where the coaching staff is going to be going to be pointing even during the game at times and certainly in film session after. And that's where this can really be beneficial is it gives you a measuring stick and it gets a feel for what that level of play looks like and feels like and. Can you try? Can you try to match that level the next time you're on the field, and then and you have to match that level in practice every day, and that's that's the hard part. Indeed. Let's take a short break. Come back and talk about the game plan for North Carolina Clemson three thirty on Saturday in Keenan Stadium. We'll be right back. Greg, get you back into this. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about how good Clemson is and how it's not going to be very competitive or couldn't or may not be competitive, but I think Carolina's going to have some success. So I ask you, how does Carolina have success on the offensive side of the ball against a Clemson defense that's going to, you know, be salivating with the the thought of Carolina's offensive lines very green, uh, but they do have some skill position players. So I think Clemson wants to, take advantage of the offensive line to negate any skill that Carolina can put out there. But what's going to happen when we see it kicked off on Saturday? Well, I think one of the advantages of playing a team in a program like Clemson is that you probably don't get caught up into the, you know, the 
the hype and the nonsense of, oh, this is App State. We should beat them just because our name is better than their name. Or you know, this is Wake Forest. We should beat them just because we've always beat them. When you're playing a, an elite program, you realize very quickly that if you don't execute on any given play, you're going to get embarrassed. And I think that's a good thing for this team because it makes them understand on this this particular play, whether it's first and 10, second and seven, third and three, we've got to do every single thing right to have any kind of chance. And everything that we've talked about all season long, this team has to be able to run the ball. That is a problem. We've talked about offensive line. Um, that That's an issue. But if they know that, you know, we just have to string some of this together, we can be effective. Um, and I, I think that's that's really what they have to look to. You know that the Sam Howell's a, a, got a great arm. You know he can have some success if you're able to have some kind of a balanced approach. Um, but more than anything, these guys have to make sure they are, they are consistent and they are executing. If there are breakdowns up front, forget about it. The game plan doesn't matter. But if you're able to to execute and you're able to to put some solid blocks in place uh, and and create some running lanes for these running backs, you can have a little bit of success. Now, to beat Clemson because they are so talented, uh, I, I really do think you're going to have to have you know, a lot of explosive plays. You know, this whole while that you know, 15 play 98 yard drive was fantastic against App State. Good luck doing that against Brent Venables. Um, that, that's going to be a, a very tall ass. So you're going to have to have some of these plays to hit. And you have to also understand that you're going to have some negative plays against you. How do you respond? How do you deal with that adversity when you do have a, a third and long? I, I guess I guess we could say, if we were being smart, Alex, Carolina's had a lot of, a lot of experience with, with third and longs this season, so it shouldn't come as a shock. Uh, but I mean, that's, that's the situation they're going to find themselves in at times. And so what do you do in that moment? Do you force it or do you take your medicine? And this more than any other game on the schedule, this is a take your medicine, uh, you know, kind of approach. If, if you have nothing on third and 13, you know, be safe, punt it, live to see another day, live to see another possession. That's the way you have to do it. But you know, if you can establish some kind of run game, to pair with your passing attack, that sets up this, you know, sets the table for potentially hitting on some explosive plays. And for the, this team to score enough points to win this game, they're going to need some of those, you know, 40, 50 yard plays. Jason, one of the things that did make me laugh in the post app state aftermath was Deems May on the post game show saying, if, if one more person texts me or messages me about the play calling, I'm going to grab somebody because if you can't block anybody, you it doesn't matter what plays you're calling. So I'm putting you in the Phil Longo seat right now, Jason. What plays can Carolina run? Do you believe Carolina can use to be successful? I think they need to play the hold the ball as long as possible approach, but maybe you think otherwise. Tell me your game plan going into this one on the offense, for the offense. Well, Offensively, you know, you have to do what you do. You have to be able to execute your base stuff or you're not winning the game anyway. And the main thing you want to be able to do is to is to actually run your base stuff against Clemson, again, for the, the reasons that we've already covered in terms of looking forward, looking to the future and all that. And then if you're able to execute it, all the better. 
Now you want to put some some tendency breakers and some wrinkles in there beyond uh, you know beyond that. So maybe where you've run some RPO slants and that sort of thing in the same situation, you make it look like an RPO, but you do a play action slant and go. You know these sorts of things to get it to maybe try to get a cheap play here and there. But really, it you don't change what you do in this game in terms of the play calling. The play calling is is going to be the play calling. They're still going to run power they're still going to run inside and outside zone and then work quick quick passing game and try to try to win some verticals off of that and really their best chance in this game in a lot of respects is is to have some wins on the outside Uh, and I haven't seen whether or not Antoine Green is going to be playing in this game but but it would be very helpful if he was back uh, for this game Uh, Greg I don't know if you uh, if, if if we've heard on that or not but Antoine Green is he's been cleared to practice for two weeks now. Um, but that injury keeps kind of popping up and it's limited him and it's prevented him from playing. So that's a, a touch and go situation. Yeah, so we, we still don't know yet, but it would be a great game to have him back. But really, your best chance to to get some wins here is to be able to hit some of those deep balls up the sideline, you know, what what normally would be called 50-50 balls, but if you have good receivers, they should be more than that, to get a few of those to to win one-on-one coverage because Clemson will play you one-on-one at times outside. And so you use formation to get a matchup that you like a little better than some of the others and, and hope that you can hit a few of those. Uh, you know, playing, playing, throwing more to the sideline and trying to throw vertical is some of the stuff that I'd be trying to do in this game to, to give some high high reward, low risk type stuff to Howell and also be able to get the ball out of his hand uh, quickly. So that, that's the one thing in terms of play calling that I'd probably do just a little bit more than normal in this game is try to get a few, to scheme up a few deep shots that are that, against one-on-one coverage and give my guys a chance to to win those matchups because I think that's your best shot. You're not going to probably block these guys and, and win in the running game a bunch in this game, but you, you're still going to have to do it. You're still going to have to run it. You're still going to have to do that to set up some of those shots. But the the other thing that you mentioned is hold on to the ball. And that's not so much. I mean, you hear people talk about this all the time about time of possession matters. You want to win the time of possession battle or, uh, you know, you want to keep the ball out of their offense's hands. Well, the thing about football is that when, no matter how long your possession is, you either score or you don't. You either score a touchdown or you score a, or you score a field goal if you do. And then you have to give the ball back to them. Right. It's not a situation where like you can play keep away and and hold the ball forever. And then not there's just not a way to do that in terms of the the clock rules. You're going to have to give them the same number of possessions that you have absent an onside kick or something like that. So that part doesn't really matter. What does matter, though, is against a team that's better than you. That's a lot better than you. You want to treat it like going to a casino. If you play, if you are, if you go to a casino and you play forever, you're going to lose everything eventually because the odds are stacked to the house. And the more trials you have, (laughs) eventually the numbers are going to catch up with you. The same is true in football. Every play is a trial. The better team is ultimately going to win a higher percentage of those trials. So what you want to do is you want to reduce the number of possessions. So instead of playing a 13 or 14 possession game, you try to make this an eight or a nine possession game. Try to try to reduce it so that, you know, one turnover by Clemson 
suddenly matters that much more. Now, doing this with some of the tempo stuff that Carolina likes to do offensively is, is a little tricky, but find ways to, to, to run a little clock, and that's where running the football is, is, is important, but it's, it's completions, you know, all of that stuff, being able to move the chains a little bit. If you can shorten this game, you're giving yourself better chances of, of winning it because there are fewer opportunities for Clemson to just go out there and, and score and get, get more of a lead. So that's yeah, one I, thing that strategically I would be doing. Right. I th- Jay Bateman talked about that this week. He was asked about you, you, you faced an elite offense last year in Oklahoma when you were at Army. How did you do so well? And what I was his answer? Plays. That's right. <laughs> we, you know, we, we had minimal amount of possessions and when you have a minimal amount of possessions from his side of the ball, at least, uh, you know, if you can get a couple negative plays to halt a couple of those possessions, now the odds are really kind of in your favor in terms of making it look really good. Uh, to your point, Jason, you, the other side of the ball still has to go out there uh, and that, that poses a problem for, for North Carolina. But, yeah, if you can shorten the game, I think especially from a defensive point of view, that helps you. It keeps everybody fresh, keeps your best players on the field. Uh, but you still have to be able to execute on, on both sides. Greg, let's flip it to the other side. Uh, Carolina's tackling woes. Uh, you've had some articles. Everybody's had good articles on the website talking about the issues. Bateman talked about it's a leverage issue and all that whatever, they better be solid against Clemson. Otherwise, Clemson can score on every play. So Carolina's approach, Bateman's approach, does he get, uh, I don't want to say cute, but does he do a lot of uh, scheming to, to you know, take advantage of something Clemson may do? Or does Carolina just go in full attack mode and try to either boom or bust against this Clemson offense that's uh, – yeah, it's pretty solid. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the I think the issue here is you just pick one or the other because most teams that you you're trying to defend, they've got a weakness, right? North Carolina, if you're trying to defend the Tar Heels, what are you trying to do? You're taking away the run because that's where they have a lot of problems, and that puts a lot of pressure on the passing game. Clemson is as balanced a team offensively as you're going to find. You want to try to stack the box? All right, have uh, you have Trevor Lawrence and and those big wide receivers have a field day. You want to make sure you get those guys and don't you know, don't allow big plays down the field. Uh, Travis Etienne is going to have a a field day in the middle. You're rushing on you or on the edges, uh, and so you can't really pick your poison necessarily because all of it's poison. It's all it's all bad for you, and so yeah, do you go? balls to the wall, all out aggressive saying, you know, uh, we're probably going to lose anyway. And we're just going to go crazy and see if we can get some negative plays and force some turnovers by being overly aggressive. I don't think that's Bateman's style. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's really beneficial. So I think you just have to, you kind of play and try to find you know, maybe a problem area here or there and try to get a negative play. He talks a lot. It's not about the yards. It's not about the yards per play necessarily. It's about you're having success in the red zone, and it's about getting off the field and third down. And the way you do that is you create negative plays. Sometimes that's a turnover. Hasn't been very often for UNC this year thus far. But most of the time it's a tackle for loss, to put the 
put the offense behind the chains. Once you do that, you can get a little bit more aggressive. And I really think this week, especially if North Carolina has success, if you have to give up a, a, you chunks of yards here and there, you'll be okay with that as long as you can maybe sneak in there and get a tackle for loss or maybe you can get a sack uh, just to put some pressure on Trevor Lawrence and, and that offense. That's the only way you're going to have success. Uh, you know, I don't, North Carolina's defense is not good enough to prevent Clemson from you know, going up and down the field pretty consistently. I mean, you're going to get a few stops, but for the most part, they're going to be able to move the ball unless you can do some of those things. So uh, Jason clearly has better insight into this than I do. I just don't see a lot of weaknesses with that Clemson offense. So I'm not sure <laughs> there's one thing that you can really pick to say, all right, well, if they attack this, we'll have success. So you have to be solid. More importantly, it's, it's the fundamentals. It's the tackling aspect. It's making sure you have great communication. It's keeping everybody in front of you, not allowing big players over the top. Kind of the, the simplistic aspect of it. Jason, which poison tastes best? <laughs> I, I I think every, everything Greg said is right, as usual. Um, and basically, when you have a team that's this balanced, when you have a an offense that's this balanced, it goes back to fundamentals. And the first thing you have to do is you have to stop the run. And I, I think that's what Bateman would say is, as good as Legolas is, you have to make sure that ETN doesn't run for 200 yards on you. Jason, and, that is fantastic. I, I just I just have to say that is a great, great nickname. He well, has I mean, been it, all on that since the dude was like in the ninth grade. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking Listen, that might be, uh, if I were, that, that could offend me if I didn't like those movies. Yeah, well, you know, and, and the thing is I've met the guy. I mean, Trevor is a really, really good guy. Anyway, at some point, I'm going to let him in on on this that I, uh, you know, if I see him next year, I'm going to let him in on this that, I, that I've been uh, referring to him as an elf for a long time. Uh, but it makes a lot of sense. I mean, elves are super accurate, very athletic. So, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, it, it, it works. But, um, but and, you know, at any rate, as long as they've got that guy at quarterback, <laughs> you, don't, you don't want to... Uh, you don't want to give him all those opportunities, but the thing is, it's it's sort of like playing against Paul Johnson's offense. If you don't stop the B back, you've got no chance, right? You got to stop the you got to stop the 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 easy thing because if they can just hand it to to ETN and never have to even throw to beat you, well then you got no shot coming out the gate. So what you have to do is you have to sell out early on early downs up front. Now, you don't have to play risky coverages to do this, but it does mean that you're having to run blitz a little bit and maybe give up some RPO stuff over the middle and all of that to avoid getting ETN in a rhythm. You've got to make sure that you are maybe taking some chances in terms of slanting into some things, expecting to to try to make to get some negative plays against the running game, and then force them into some leverage positions where if you've got them in third and 11, as good as they are passing wise, it's still not a great down for them. It's not, you know, they're going to do even Clemson is going to be that much better on third and two than they are on third and 11. And all you're trying to do is survive the running game enough to actually make the elf actually go out and do it. 
And, you know, hopefully if you, you can get a deflection, you can do something to get an interception and you give yourself a chance. But if you can't stop the run, you've got no shot. So I think that's how Bateman's going to come into it is focus on taking away at least one thing, do as much as you can to take away the run and limit what they can do there. And, you know, if they, if they just beat you because they're that good throwing the ball and they've got that good of receivers and they score 45 points or 50 points on you because they are just playing pitch and catch and they're just that, that superior to you in that phase of the game, then you tip your cap and you say, you know, we did the best we could, but we just don't have the horses. And I tell you, this is a game where you'd really love to have Patrice Renee, (laughs) but uh, or either of the guys that, that that's sitting out for the year that can't play right now. I mean, you, th- those are guys, they've got three guys that, that aren't on the field right now that would really be helpful uh, in terms of coverage stuff. But you, I think you just have to focus on taking away the, taking away the run as much as possible and, you know, make the elf beat you. Tommy, I was going to provide, I was going to provide a stat to show that uh, Lawrence is actually human, but, Jason's convinced me that he is not. He is, in fact, an elf. But on third and long this season, <laughs> uh, Lawrence is two of 11 passing. Hmm. So I mean, that that gives you some some hope that if you can get him in you know, third and, and difficult yardages, uh, there's, a, there's a good chance you're going to have success. As Jason said, regardless of how good you are as an offense or how good you are as a quarterback, when you're in those types of situations, it's tough to convert consistently. Tell me this, Greg, and I bet you don't have it at your fingertips, but you might. What is uh, What are Lawrence's, and I almost said um, Orlando Bloom's name, but what is, uh, what's Lawrence under pressure versus not under pressure? Tommy, I don't know if this is surprising or not, but when, when Trevor Lawrence uh, is under pressure, and when he's blitzed, he is a good bit better than when he's not pressured and not blitzed, which is uh, a credit to him. But uh, when he's been blitzed this season and 43 dropbacks, uh, he's completed 57% of his passes at a 11.6 yards per attempt average for five touchdowns and interception. Uh, pretty impressive. And it's not like he's bad uh, when he's not blitzed. but um, that that kind of speaks to why this kid is going to be a number one draft pick in the NFL in a couple of years. Yeah, so just play contain. Just sit back and play contain. Don't let him run. Make him <laughs> throw it. All right, Jason, I'm putting you on the block first. Uh, predictions. We got Mike's earlier. I think Mike said forty nine seventeen or something of that nature. But Jason, how do you think it all shakes out? I know I, I know a number of people keep bringing up, well, Syracuse had, has had success against them the last couple of years. I mean, they should have won last year, and they did beat him two years ago. So, you know, why can't North Carolina do the same thing? Well, the first thing is Kelly Bryan ain't walking through that door. <laughs> when you go back to that Clemson-Syracuse game from two years ago, the one where Syracuse won, Kelly Bryant was 12 of 17 for 116 yards. And, you know, was basically was not able to be effective as a thrower. They had they had a, a total of 317 total yards. They are a completely different team now. And even last year, the game, the Syracuse game was 
the Elf's first game as a starter. And he only played about two, uh, what, a quarter and a half before he had to go out with an injury. So, again, not playing with, with, with the biggest advantage they've got. And uh, to me, that, that means that unless something freaky happens with, with, uh, with Legolas, I don't think there's, the, the odds are very good. So I'm going to do the same thing when it comes to, uh, to, to the final score. I'm going to say uh, Clemson wins big. I'm going to go Clemson uh, 48, uh, North Carolina 17. Greg? Yeah, I think it's funny how Clemson tends to, at least in recent years, they, it seems like they start the season slow, and then they kind of build up, and by the end of the year, they're, they're kind of on fire, similar to how Roy Williams' teams tend to be. Um, I, I don't know that Clemson's played their, their best ball yet. I know tra- uh, Trevor Lawrence certainly has not. Uh, even even so, the reason I say that, I don't know that it's going to be um, as bad as maybe some people think. Um, and so I, I think Carolina has a chance of covering. Uh, I don't think they're going to they're make this very competitive. But you know, if you can keep this close for a half, I think you can build off of that and just try not to let it get out of hand. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat with Jason. I, I see this one being very much like a 42 10 type game. Damn, boys. Y'all, y'all are some depressing dudes listening to this podcast. I'm going with Carolina, um, <laughs> Carolina 20, Clemson 52. Uh, oh, I thought you were going to pick Carolina so for the much more optimistic. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I said it before to Jason, maybe off the air. Um, and he shot me down. I, I thought if Carolina was completely healthy with no significant injuries, I, I think Carolina would be in the ballgame and have a chance. I've seen it happen. But the injuries are just too much. And having freshmen and sophomores on offensive line that are going to face guys um, you know, eight deep on the defensive line, I mean, it's just going to be – I hope to see a learning experience and not a wheel-breaker. So I'll say 52 to 20. I think Carolina may backdoor cover um, at some point, but I'm not a betting person anyway. So and if you bet on college athletics and you lose, well, that's what you get. But anyway, Jason and Greg, it's always fun. Look, I hope we can reprise this in this bowls lot Saturday about uh, 1.30. Jason, you need to make it there. Um, but we'll wrap this show now because Lord knows we've been rambling for a long time. Appreciate it, guys. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks Tommy. Tommy. It's fun. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.